Welcome to the Total Boss Podcast, and I'm your host, Cristiano Green, a podcast where we talk about finding fulfillment through self-development, being a leader of your own life, and getting the most out of it as well. Tenacity, originality, talent, authenticity, and being legendary. It's all about living your best life. Hello, 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 all you total bosses out there. I am super excited today to be launching the very first episode of the Total Boss Podcast. Now, I'm your host, Cristiano Green, and I've created this podcast as a way to connect other people in the LGBT plus community together who want to learn and grow and utilize their skill set and self-development to really truly find passion and fulfillment in what they do and utilize their own leadership skills of self and leadership with others to really make sure that they can create the best life that they can have possible. Now, Total Boss Network has been created by me, and it stands for tenacity, originality, talent, authenticity, and being legendary, and absolutely putting yourself out there to live your absolute best life. Now, it is more than just a name. It's actually a movement. And I've been working towards this for a very long time. And I'm super passionate about helping other people within the LGBT plus community to truly find a community that helps serve them, helps them grow, and it's been designed specifically for them. Now, today I'm going to talk to you a little about my own story and how I got to be able to do what I do because I am also a coach, right? And I coach gay men and women um, specifically, and it's usually around fulfillment, finding fulfillment, what they're passionate about, really kind of creating that life that they want to have by also using those skill sets to be able to become a leader of your own life and then, and, uh, you know, and then all about leading other people. Because when we can really understand leading ourselves, we can then use that to lead other people as well. And then from that, it's also about really understanding how can you get the best out of yourself? How can you become a high performer? Because really, when you want to create the best life for yourself, it's all about how to manage your time better so that you can really start doing the things that you need to do. So a little bit about me. So I'm not sure if any of you out here probably have gone through similar experiences, but um, I was bullied when I was younger, very much so, bullied almost every single day. And um, I was bullied um, because I was the youngest person in my year. I was bullied because I was the smallest person in my year. I was bullied for my taste in music. I mean, I moved from the UK to Australia in 1995. I was in year four. At that time, I loved, loved, loved the Spice Girls. And I mean, I think, you know, who didn't? But when I got to Australia, they were all into R&B and hip hop. So really, from the get-go, I wasn't someone who kind of stood out like a sore thumb, right? And then I also kind of got bullied for the way that I dressed, the way that I talked, and, you know, even for being gay before I really even knew what that was. So, you know, I would get picked on, I would get um, called names, I would get ganged up on, I would get pushed around. And, you know, being in school was something that was really, really difficult for me because I really um, went inwards. And I don't know if you guys here who have been bullied a lot can understand or relate to this, but when you've been bullied a lot, what will happen is you often start to think that there's something wrong with you. Because if everyone is picking on you, everyone is bullying you, if everyone is pushing you around, you don't really hate those people that are doing it to you because you think you're the one that's wrong. So you start hating yourself. 
And that's what happened to me for a lot of my life. Now, I can remember being called a loser, a faggot, worthless, so many times that I can't even count how many times it was. And when you get called those names so often, it starts to kind of ingrain in your identity. So being called a loser, being called a faggot, being called worthless was really kind of what I started to see in myself. And like I said, this is 25 years ago, right, when I first started getting bullied. Um, and so really, if you're getting bullied severely on a daily basis, then, like I said, you start to really start thinking that there's something wrong with you. And so when I thought there was something wrong with me, I was the type of person that did not want to be seen because if I got seen, then there was an opportunity for someone to bully, to pick on me. And so I would go inwards and I would spend a lot of time on my own, um, really trying to understand what I could do to not be such a loser, not be such a faggot, not be so worthless. And it really took uh, a toll on me. And, you know, throughout years of going in from primary school into high school and continuing that bullying, you know, it really played on my own self-worth. And what happened from that is that I grew up really feeling like I was an outsider, like I was a loner. I was a lone wolf, really. And I'm sure there's probably a lot of you out there who can probably relate to some of these stories, understanding that, you know, bullying really affects us. And it does teach us a lot of, of, of lessons, uh, really hard ways. And, you know, I, I wouldn't wish it upon anyone. I just realized that, you know, the things that happened early on in my life really did affect me for many, many, many years. So being bullied made me go inwards, made me isolate myself to myself. And throughout my school years, they were terrible. I really tried my best to manage it. I tried my best to get out of school even. I tried to, you know, fight with my parents to leave when it was the school certificate, which is in Australia after year 10. Um, but my parents wouldn't let me do that. They wanted me to finish school. They want, they said that education was important to me um, and that I had to do that. So I had to continue on doing those things, even though I hated it. And because of that, you know, early on, there was resentment towards my parents because I don't think that they understood what I was going through because I was too afraid to share it with them because, again, being called a loser, being called a faggot, being called worthless made me actually believe those things as well. And so when I was believing those things, it meant that if I told my parents that I was getting bullied, um, you know, would they have believed those things too? Especially when it comes to, you know, being called a faggot, you know, you don't want to tell your parents when you're young and you don't even really understand what it is, right? This is back on the Central Coast. There isn't any gay people around. You don't really understand what gay is. Like the people that were on TV that were representations of the gay community were other people that were, I guess, you know, shown to be a certain type of person. So they were either this kind of weird, strange kid or someone that was really just a non, non event. So you never really felt like you were represented back then. So you see all these things there and, you know, growing up in, in, in coastal rural areas, you know, it is quite religious. So a lot of people went to churches and they believed in a lot of the stuff that, that was taught there. So I also got told that, you know, being gay was evil and that I was going to die uh, and I was going to go to hell and that it was a sin and all of these things. And again, people were putting all this stuff onto me before I even understood what it was. Because of all of this stuff, it also caused me to repress how I truly felt. So I was pushing down these feelings because I so truly wanted in my heart not to be that way. Because I, like I said, I was taught that it was wrong to be that way. Every single person who would bully me or pick on me and called me those names, called me a loser, called me a faggot, called me worthless, truly made me feel like there was something wrong with me. 
And so those were, those emotions kept getting repressed. And then, you know, again, I kept feeling like there was something wrong with me. Something wrong with me. And when you think that for so many years, it really builds up to something like um, a believing of in yourself that there is anxiety within yourself. It builds up this depression within yourself. It builds up all of these fears and walls that you have around us. And I'm sure so many of you guys in the, and, and girls in the, in the gay community can really understand about putting walls up, right? And then you put those walls up so tight that sometimes you put the walls up to the people that are closest to you and you don't even let your family in to see who you truly are because of all that fear that you have around you. And along with those fears had other negative emotions like anger sometimes. And you would also get shame, so much guilt and shame because you were so ashamed of these feelings and that led to such more anxiety. So it became this massive cycle and all these emotions would come up. And because of those emotions, like I said, it caused me to isolate and not want to be around people because I could sometimes hide away in my room and live in a fantasy land, you know. I think for myself, uh, and again, I feel like this is uh, from what I've spoken to a lot of people in the community, it's often, you know, we, we build up these fantasies in our head of trying to live a different life, that we grow up being someone else. And I grew up always fantasizing about being the best tennis player in the world. I grew up feeling like I was the, you know, this massive movie star and everybody loved me, or that I was a massive music artist and I was touring the world and I had screaming fans in the audience because I had no friends. I had nobody who liked me at all. And those thoughts just created all these things of like, oh my God, people love me. Um, and so I'd be in my room often listening to, you know, m- you know, music that really inspired me, which was at that time was Whitney Houston. And one of my favorite songs was The Greatest Love of All. And I just remember listening to that on repeat all the time. I'm really trying to believe those words, closing my eyes, just really fantasizing that I was somebody else, that there was that greatest love of all inside of me. And, you know, I got to a place where, I, you know, I finished high school and I thought, okay, great, this is just the end of all of those bullying. Life's just going to get better because I don't have to deal with all that stuff in school. And, you know, that really wasn't what happened for me, right? Because I was still repressed. I was still in the closet. I was still full of anxiety and depression. I was still had all these fears. And there was so much shame, guilt, and anger around all of this stuff that it really did affect me. And so when I was in the workplace, the bullying didn't stop. And I got bullied again by coworkers. I even got bullied by some managers. And I remember an experience where, you know, I had one of the store managers. I was working at Coles, um, which in Australia is one of the biggest supermarkets in uh, the country. Um, and so I was working in one of the stores there. And I remember being in one of the freezer areas where they keep all the, you know, the stock for the freezers in the supermarket. And I had the store manager there and I had to go and, you know, talk to him about something specific. I can't remember exactly what it was, but... Um, he actually pulled me, pushed me up against the wall, my choker, and cho- tried to choke me a little bit and said, you listen to me, you little faggot. I'm going to be telling you what's going on here and you better listen. And no one's going to fucking believe you if you try this because I'm the store manager. No one's going to listen to a little faggot like you. Now, I can't remember if that was word for word, but that was exactly how it made, like how it came across to me. And I was scared, right? Fuck, like I'm in this workplace. I've got this person who is supposed to be taking care of the whole store and taking care of me and they have just like bullied me and assaulted me right and like I didn't really know what to do at that point so you know I 
had to deal with those things. And I let that happen time and time again to people bullying me and pushing me around because I felt like that was how I was going to get treated because there was something wrong with me. And, you know, it took me quite a long time to really get to a place where I could stand up for myself, right? And so, you know, like I said, I would always just go to work, come home and hide away in my room. Like I said, I had zero friends, zero friends at all. I said, isolated, depressed, anxious, full of shame, full of fears, full of anger, full of guilt. It riddled me and it was really tough. And, you know, I had really didn't have any relationships properly with my parents because I would just go to my room and hide away because I didn't want to be seen. I thought if they even found out that they would hate me as well. And that's how deep these issues were when it came to those feelings of, you know, me being gay. And so I said I was repressed for so many years and it got to a really dark place. You know, I was at a dark place and I was around, you know, 21 years old and I was at a point where I had to decide what was going to happen next. And there was really, you know, three options for me. And we had this one on the left, which really was a short path and it probably led to something like a cliff and that cliff represented suicide. And I did honestly think about that um, at some points in my life because I was so you know, full of fear and full of, you know, depression, anxiety, all of those negative things that I was like, do I want to live like this? This is awful. Like, this is how life's going to be for me. God, like 21 years now, like I've got fucking supposed to have 40, 60 plus years left in my life. Do I want this for myself? So I really, you know, consider that option. Well, then there was a second option was right in front of me and it was a fucking dark and miserable life. And it was the one where I was just doing exactly the same way. I was existing. I wasn't living. I was living in the closet. I was scared. I was full of depression, anxiety, shame, fear, guilt, all of those things. And it always just led back to the same path, which was going to be, you know, suicide as well. So that was something that I just didn't want to do either. So those two options just fucking looked fucking awful, right? Then there was this third one on the, on the right there. And what that kind of represented for me was fear and scare and like a scary op- a scary option but behind it was supposed to be what was going to be exciting this was when i was going to really truly own who i was was i going to come out and sh- and and just fuck the say fuck the world and do that and really just own that for myself or was i just going to sit there and allow those other two options to be the path so i knew that that third option was going to be scary um but it felt like I had to at least give it a try because, again, I could come back to option one or two and, you know, I could still do it. So I said to myself, you know, you're stronger than this. You have to really try something here. Otherwise, life's just going to fucking suck for you and you're going to fucking end up dead anyway. So I decided in that moment while I was listening to Whitney Houston's greatest love of all is that I needed to take a step forward and I needed to find myself, find who I was and at least explore that for myself. So back in those days, this is, you know, when you don't have, uh, you know, internet on phones and everything. So I decided that I had to figure out what I could do to see if this was right for me. And so I knew that I had to do some research and I had to go on the internet and find, you know, a place maybe in Sydney because I was probably about an hour or an hour and a half away from Sydney. Um, I thought if I go down to Sydney, there's really going to be probably no one who knows me. So if I go down there and find, you know, like a gay venue to, to go and see, I could at least test the waters. And if I didn't like, want to do it, then I never had to go back there again. And, you know, no one would know, the, know be none the wiser, right? So... I was living with my parents still at that time and my dad and brother were both, you know, IT people. And so they would always track what people were 
doing on the internet. So if you were going to this website, they would know it. And I remember one of my brothers getting in so much trouble for searching up like marijuana or something like that. I just remember him getting in trouble because my dad found it and it was this big deal. So me wanting to try searching that while I was at home just wasn't an option for me because again, I was too afraid to even talk to them about any of this stuff because I thought if they found out, would they, could they possibly disown me? Could they possibly hate me? Could they possibly not want to have anything to do with me? And so when I made a choice, I had to go and find other means because I didn't have a phone, like I said. Um, so at those stages back then, you know, um, they had a lot, of, you know, a lot of convenience stores around the area did have like internet cafes. So I felt like I had to go find one in an area that was not anyone, no one knew me. So that if I did get caught or anything happened, no one was going to find out. So I went to, um, some convenience stores that were actually probably like, you know, five suburbs over in a town that, like I said, I probably had never really spent any time with. Um, and I went to the first one that I was there and the internet cafe where the computers were literally everyone in the store could see the computer. So I was like, I'm just not comfortable doing this. I don't know any, anything around here. And I felt like, God, if I'm here and someone sees me, like, I just don't want to get in, into it. Anything happened, you know, who knows if someone saw me and they, you know, started abusing me or attacking me. Right. And that could happen because, you know, this was like 20, 25 years ago. Right. So I, I, I decided that wasn't the right one. So I, I went uh, searching again for another one, found another one. And this one was a little more secure where the computer was, but it was owned by a really big, muscly, like, um, Le I think like Lebanese guy. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, anyone and anyone's culture, but he seemed so masculine. And I felt like, God, like I was too afraid because if for somehow he found out, like, what would he do? Right. Who I never knew. So I was so afraid to try that. So I decided that that was just not going to be happening. So I had to go again to a third one. And when I went to this third one, um, it was owned by this like, you know, little couple there and there was a couple of computers in the corner. So I thought, look, I'm just going to try this here. Um, I just have to try to be quick, as quick as possible, find something that I could try at least know about and understand where, where I could go because I had to do it. And so I decided to go in there. I did it. Um, and luckily I was able to find a few venues, um, to ponder over in Sydney, um, where I could go to. And, you know, there was different venues that I thought about. There was, you know, like the sauna ones, which is a sex on venue, which I thought, you know, because like I said, I, at that stage, I'd never kissed anybody, even a male or a female, right? And I thought, do I just need to go and lose my virginity and get something out of the system? Was that something I wanted to do? So I thought about that, but it just didn't seem like the right option for me. And then there was some gay bars and some gay clubs. And so um, I really decided between going to a gay bar and a gay club, I decided a gay club because I thought if I go to a gay bar, it seems like that's more of a place where you know, everyone's social talking and mixing around. And me, who's fucking anxiety ridden, has really got no friends, didn't want to speak to people. That made me feel a bit uncomfortable. And I thought, God, if I go there, I feel like I'll, I'll stick out like a sore farm and it'll just be not something that is a good experience for me. So I decided that that wasn't the right option for me. And then I decided that going to a gay club, um, which is ARC, which is the biggest gay club in Sydney, was what was the right thing to do. Because I thought if, if it's a club, people are going to be dancing, people are going to be mingling. They're probably not going to notice me if I'm sitting there in the corner or whatever I'm doing. Uh, I, it could be easier for me and more comfortable for me. So I decided that that was the option for me. And I looked up um, and found a night that was going to be suitable for me. And it was a couple of weeks away. So I decided, okay, this is the date that I'm going to go. Um, the date comes around and I, you know, I'm all kind of getting myself ready to go, but 
uh, as soon as I, you know, go to get in my car, I, I probably drive about five minutes down the street. I just had to stop because I was having a panic attack. And I was like, oh my God, I, I, I just can't do this. This is not right. Like, what am I thinking? Like, this is ridiculous, like super scary, super scared, super anxious. And I just had to stop myself because I just couldn't do it. So, um, you know, I decided to turn around and I went home and that felt like I failed as well. So I was beating myself up for that. And then I just kept going back and forth of like, you need to do this. No, you shouldn't. Gosh, what are you doing? Like, fuck, if someone finds you, this could be scary. What if someone beats you up? What if there's this? Every single story you can imagine was going through my head over those, you know, next couple of weeks. And so it was really kind of something that kind of push, I should go, I shouldn't go, I should go, I shouldn't go. And so that went on for, like I said, probably another month. And I just kept thinking about it. And then um, it was a, a point there where I just said to myself, fuck, you've just got to do this. And it was like a uh, Saturday night. And I think it was about, um, it was about almost maybe 7.30, 8 o'clock. And I knew that the place opened at 9 o'clock. I said, look, just get in your fucking car and go. You need to go and see what this is like and just stop it. Just go and do it. And so I got in my car and I go to drive there. Like I said, it was going to open at nine o'clock thinking because I'd never been to a club before and it says it gets busy early. So you have to get there early to, to get in. And I thought, okay, everyone's just going to get there at nine o'clock. I'll get in. It'll be busy. Um, but you know, for those of you who've been to a nightclub before, that's just not the case. You don't get anywhere at nine o'clock and you know, the, the clubs in Sydney, you don't get there before 12, one o'clock really before it gets super busy. So I go to drive down there aiming to get there for nine o'clock. And you know, it's like I said, it's about an hour to an hour and a half drive. And I got super, super lost. And I mean, lost is, is not a word. I, what the, the, the drive that was going to be an hour and a half actually took me probably about three and a half hours. And, you know, I kept thinking on the way, like, this is a sign. I should just turn around. This is probably telling me that I shouldn't come here. But I said to myself, look, I've just got to go. Like, I've just got to go. If I go there and I go there for 10 minutes, and I've, if I turn around, at least I've done it, right? Like, I, I was at that point where I just had to go and do it. So I finally get down there. Instead of being there at 9 o'clock, I get there for uh, about 11 o'clock. And so luckily at 11 o'clock, it was starting to get quite busy. So going in there, I didn't feel uncomfortable. And, you know, I, I, I was sitting in my car after driving, and I probably had a few drinks in the car, not while I was driving, but once I'd got into the car, I downed a couple of drinks, right? So I was like, okay, I'm going to have a couple of drinks. I'll go inside, and then I'll see how it goes um, and go from there. And so I go into the, the club there, and, you know, as I'm going in there, you know, the bouncers are kind of like looking at me like, what are you doing here? Because I kind of like kept walking past the place a couple of times just to make sure it was the right place and like kind of sussing it out a bit because, you know, again, I was super, super nervous. So I did all that, go to, go, go to get to the, go get in the venue. And again, and again, it wasn't packed, but it was busy enough. So I kind of just decided that it was for me to, to go get a couple of drinks and kind of just, sit, you know, find a, a quieter place in the corner and just kind of suss things out. Right. So start having a few drinks, start dancing. And the night was phenomenal kind of thing because I, I got, I got, ended up getting quite drunk. And by the time it got super busy, like, you know, I was in a good state and I was just like, who is this guy who's dancing? dancing around, kind of like walking around, enjoying himself. And then, you know, there was, I was dancing in, in, near a group of people and one of the guys kind of like kept looking at me and then like ends up coming over to me and starts talking to me. And I was like, didn't know what to say, but I was drunk. So kind of everything he said to me, kind of, I just was like, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I had no idea what to say. It was mumbling my words, but he kept saying that that was really cute. And, you know, my nervousness was what, you know, what he came to. And so we actually, um, you know, started hanging out and then he 
kisses me. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm getting kissed for the very first time in my life. 21 year old guy, can you imagine? 21 year old guy going out to a club there and he's, this is his first kiss. So like, you know, it was amazing and crazy all the time. And we ended up kissing probably for like three or four hours of the whole night. I mean, like people were coming up just going, oh my God, look at you two, get a room, et cetera, et cetera. So it was kind of funny when I look back on it, but in the moment, like I was just in the moment, like finally feeling like, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. Right. And it just felt so right. So, you know, it was amazing because I was around all these gay people and everyone was looking like they were having the best time of their life. And it felt like, oh my God, this is what I've been missing out on. This is what it is. And, you know, that night was amazing and I like I said it, it I ended up going home with the guy and you know that's a whole another story that I could sp- probably spend a whole podcast on but it, what it kind of made me realize was that like there is light at the end of the tunnel and this was some the life that I really wanted to kind of push myself to have you know and so I w- really wanted to share this story with you guys today because you know it I understand how much growing up being gay, being repressed, being in the closet can really affect us, especially when we've been bullied, right? Most young gay people have been bullied at some point in their life. And, you know, most people have been bullied in in their life, to be quite fair, but some of us have been bullied severely and it really affects us and affects how we communicate and connect to other people. And, you know, it took a long time for me to really break down the walls and I had to rediscover who I was. Actually, I wouldn't say rediscover, I had to discover who I was because at the point I had no idea. So really wanting to talk about what's going to be happening in this podcast is we're going to be talking about this stuff. I'm going to be getting on here. I'm going to be talking about the stuff that's happened to people in the gay community and discuss it because I really want to share stories of my own experience to try to help other people to really decide how and decipher how we can actually break down those walls and we can truly connect to ourselves and then connect to other people in the gay community and our families. Because again, we, we hold back from so many people and so many opportunities because of what has happened in our lifetime. And so I'm not only going to be just talking myself and talking about topics one-on-one, I'm also going to be getting on guests here. I'm going to be getting on guests who are also part of the gay community, and I want to share their story with uh, with all you guys because I know that their story is unique, but there are so many similarities in some of these people that will be amazing to hear from them because they've also overcome some of those experiences, and it can help you to really navigate and understand how we can push through this and actually take a step forward in our own lives and grow because life is a growth journey and if we always think that we're going to stay where we are and be comfortable then it's really an uncomfortable life because it's not fun to just sit there being the same person day in and day out and like I said this is what this podcast is about it's the total boss network and I want us to all realize that inside of us we've got tenacity we are original people we are talented beyond belief and we are so authentic with who we are that we are going to end up becoming legends because that is what being a total boss is, living your best life and truly owning who you are so that you can really get out of life what you want to get out of it and not be told what you are or who you are by anybody else. So I really look forward to sharing more of this journey with you. And again, I'd want any. i love to hear from you about in the comments as to what you like about what's going on, what you want to hear, because I'm here to add so much value to you guys. And, you know, I want you to also navigate what we talk about here. And so sharing with me, is an amazing way for me to really understand what you're looking for. You can also find me on social media under Cristiano Green. Um, I'm definitely on Facebook. I'm definitely on Instagram. I'm definitely on LinkedIn. Uh, And yeah, come and have a conversation with me because I really want to hear from other people about their experiences because it's going to help shape this podcast. So I really appreciate you listening to this first episode and I just can't wait for you to come on this journey with me. So have a blessed day wherever you are in the world and we will talk again soon.